Carmen 64, The Marriage of Peleus and Thetis, by Catullus, read for LibriVox.org, by Lenny. Of old, as bards relate, a ship of pine, grown where the lofty crest of Pelion stands, traversed the realm of Neptune, waste of brine, to Phasus waves, and great Aetes lands. A chosen band of youths, an argive crew, to win the fleece and Colchian scenes to view, dared through the salt sea waves undaunted sweep, with oars of pine ploughing the azure deep. Pallas herself, who ever doth retain, in each proud citadel her sacred fane, the car which flew before the scudding breeze, constructed, welding to the curved keel, the pine beams, thus the inexperienced seas, first taught the rapid rush of barks to feel. When through the crested waves the ship's prow broke, and seethed the foam beneath the rower's stroke, then eager faces peered from billows white, faces of myriads wondering at the sight, and then it was that mortal eyes could scan, such sight had ne'er before been seen by men, fair naked forms round with the billows rave, with white breasts glistening o'er the tossing wave. And then, for love of Thetis, Peleus burned. Nor was his mortal love by Thetis spurned. Great Jove himself assented to the tie. Such was the grace of gods who dwelt on high. O race of heroes, whom the earth did bear in golden ages, blessed beyond compare, Hail thou, great race of ancestry divine! All hail thou, too, our mother earth benign! Full oft will I accost ye in my strain. Thee, too, great guardian of Thessalius' plain, Peleus, most honored in thy marriage, when great Jove himself, the king of gods and men, gave up to thee his claim to Thetis' love, and thee a mortal matched with gods above. Didst thou that lovely offspring of the sea possess, and Tethys give her child to thee, an ocean who surrounds the earth's wide plain, consent that thou his daughter's love shouldst gain? When the revolving year brought round a time for Peleus' nuptials, then Thessalius' clime poured forth her joyous throngs. The palace stands, crowded with guests and mirthful wedding bands. Rich gifts they bring. Joy shines in every face. All come the marriage of their prince to grace. Cyrus they leave, and Tempe's lovely glen. Larissa, Crenon are deserted then. Pharsala sees them crowding through her gate. The land lies fallow. Lazy steers await, at ease the unused yoke. No pruner now checks the wild growth of leafy forest bough. No gardener now the vine with curved prong clears. No ox deep furrows through the upland tears. Rotted with rust, the plowshares idle stand. No sound of toils heard throughout the land. But in the palace what a splendor glows. Rich gold and silver in refulgent rows. In every furthest nook while thrones gleam white with ivory, and cups reflect the light 
in glittering order on the festive board, brilliant with treasure such as kings afford. And in the mansion's center, lo, there stands the genial couch, the work of cunning hands, whose polished ivory attracts the view, o'erlaid with cloth of brilliant purple hue. Here, on the coverlet's rich ample fold, figures of man are seen, heroes of old, and deeds performed by mighty ones of yore, and wrought with art. Here, on the Naxian shore, lone Ariadne watches Theseus' sails sink on the ocean, borne by favoring gales. Scarce can she trust her eyes, which see her guest faithless departing, and her maddened breast throbs with despairing rage, while round her lies the beach, which met her half-awakened eyes deserted, when she first from treacherous sleep arose in loneliness, but on the deep, meanwhile, the flying traitor plies the oar, his vows are scattered to the careless wind. She stands amid the seaweed on the shore, like some carved stone backhand, while her mind tosses on waves of woe which ever rise, still gazing seawards with despairing eyes. Her yellow hair streams wild, the coif unbound. Her sashes loosed, her swelling bosom show. Her garments slip unheeded to the ground. The salt waves catch and toss them to and fro. What wrecks she of her coif or loosened zone? Theseus and her sad fate she heeds alone. Her mind distracted, no fair hope can show. Her soul is lost in labyrinths of woe. Unhappy maiden, on that fatal day, when Theseus came, the monster's destined prey, from curved Piraeus with the doomed band, and reached the stern Gortinian monarch's land, then her the goddess struck with love's fell dart, and sowed the seeds of sorrow in her heart. For thus they tell the tale, a cruel jest, Avenge the murder of the stranger guest, the son of Minos, and the sire decreed that chosen youths and maids of tender age should every year atone the shameless deed and fall mute victims to the monster's rage. Sore lay this fate upon the dwindling town till Theseus' mighty soul did pity swell, and he himself a victim would lay down his life for Athens which he loved so well, and thus would stay the doom for evermore, which sent the living dead to Crete's shore. So pressing on, with favoring gales he came, to haughty Minas' court of princely fame. Him saw with eager glance the royal maid, nursed in her mother's tender arms she lay, on her chaste bed, in beauty's charms arrayed, like flowers glowing neath the spring sun's ray. Delicious odors round her fill the air, such on Orota's banks the myrtles bear. Nor did she turn from him her longing eyes, till every fiber of her, being thrilled, fired with immortal love which never dies, and all her soul a burning passion filled. 
O oh, thou dread love, who oh, with a cruel heart, the cause of all distracted madness art, thou youthful god, who minglest joy with teen, and thou of Golgi's town, the Cyprian queen. With what a sea of woe have ye oppressed, the maiden sighing for her fair-haired guest, how sinks her heart, fainting with nameless fear, more yellow-pale than gold her cheeks appear, when, with the monster nobly to contend, Theseus departed, there to meet his end, slain for his country, or to win fair fame, and live for ever with a deathless name, what unvoiced vows and promises she made, all, all in vain, imploring heaven's aid. Her vows availed the hero chief to save, but fatal were, alas, to her who gave. For as the hurricane's wild whirling force uproots the lofty oak or resinous fir, which crashing falls, and in its earthward course involves in ruin all things far and near, so fell the monster after direful fight, his savage strength o'ercome by Theseus' might. Prostrate he lies, with Theseus o'er him there, his tossing horns wound but the empty air. The hero, saved from death, his path retraced, and through the labyrinth's long winding spaced, holding the clue, for fear his footsteps stray, and in the mazy puzzle lose their way. But why desert the subject of my song, to tell of hapless Ariadne's wrong? How, leaving father, mother, sisters home, with Theseus on the ocean wave to roam, she, in forgetful of her mother's woe, whose love her wild despairing wails could show, preferred the joys which faithless Theseus swore, and with him fled to Nexus wave beat shore, where, waked one morning, as in sleep she lay, she saw her treacherous lover sail away. Shrill cries she uttered, so the story goes, Rage and despair her heaving bosom shows. Full oft would she the rugged hills ascend, her gaze on ocean's wide expanse to bend, or rush to meet the salt waves as they rise, lifting her raiment soft to bare her thighs. In her last moan she made, while tears expressed, and sobs the tumult of her anguished breast. And is it thus, perfidious wretch, that here... Thou leavest me upon this island drear, Me, who for thee left fatherland and home, Wilt thou then bear the perjury of my doom Back to thy country, and from hence depart, The gods neglected with unfeeling heart? Can nothing change thy cruel, reckless mind? Does no fond pity yet remain behind? Not these the promises thou once didst make, when I abandoned all for Theseus' sake. Wretch that I am! Ah, never was it this thou toldst me of, but longed for marriage bliss and Hymen's joys. But all that thou didst swear is scattered to the vain and wandering air. Henceforth, let no confiding woman trust the oaths of men. They swear but for their lust. And when they wish to win, no vows they spare.
They promise all things to a trustful ear. But when they've gained their aim, what wrecks it then of broken vows or perjuries to men? For I, lest I should wanting seem to thee, snatch thee from out the whirling pool of death, and chose to lose a brother, and for me, this the reward, and this thy plighted faith, that I should die, and it should be my doom, to lie and bury it, no religious tomb or funeral rites be mine, but birds of prey and savage beasts should tear my limbs away. Wert thou beneath some lonely hill-crag born of a fierce lioness, or did in scorn the sea disgorge thee from the waves which foam and gender there? What certes was thy home? What ravening Scylla or Charybdis wild, who works destruction, owns thee as her child, that thou requitest thus the boon of life? E'en hadst thou not desired me for wife, from horror at my father's grim decree, could I not then have servant been to thee, lived in thy palace court, and toil most blessed? Prepare thy couch with coverlets for rest, have washed thy feet, have been thy humble slave. Ah, how much better than this living grave! But why do I thus madly loud complain? The air unfeeling cannot know my pain. It hath no ears, no tongue to answer back. Ah me! E now he holds his onward track on the deep main. On shore the seaweed lies, but now no human form can meet my eyes. Relentless fate in grudges ears to heed my poor complaint in my extremest need. Almighty Jove, who that in former time Cecropian barks had ne'er reached Creta's clime, would that the faithless seaman ne'er had moored the ship which carried that dread fright on board the tribute to the bull as yet untamed to Crete's coast and that he ne'er had claimed our friendship he that villain whose sweet art hid deep the counsels of his cruel heart now whither shall i go what hope is left shall i return to crete of joy bereft alas the cruel sea with swelling tides me from my country evermore divides. How could I hope my father's aid, whom I, deserted, with a stranger foe to fly, stained with the guilt of brother's blood, and he, my lover, has his love still charms for me, his love, who bending now his oars in flight plows the deep ocean, vanished from my sight. The lonely island hath no shelter here. The waves surround me. No escape is there. No hope, no means of flight. A death-like gloom, silent and drear, dwells in this living tomb. But ere my eyes wax dim in death's dark night, ere yet the senses leave this wearied frame, the gods will I invoke my wrongs to right and call upon the heavenly powers by name. Wherefore, 
ye furies awful sisters who send upon men's misdeeds the vengeance due yet now do i accost hear ye my prayer whose lowering brows are wreathed with snaky hair which show the fury which your bosom fills come hither hear my piteous tale of ills which i unhappy helpless mad with love pour forth your ruth will truthful words to move and since my words are true let not my wail be disregarded as an idle tale but may that savage heart which theseus bore which left me lonely on this desert shore involve in ruin him and all his race grant me dread goddesses at least this grace such wails she uttered from her mournful breast invoking vengeance on her cruel guest the mighty thunderer his dread ascent nodded propitious and the sound was sent through earth's wide plains and ocean's waves afar and shook through heaven's vault each glittering heart blank darkness on the mind of theseus fell his sire's injunction which he learned so well and kept with constant heart he now forgot no sail was hoisted to announce his lot to show the sun escaped the monster's rage alive returned to bless his father's age for as the story goes when first the fleet left athens port divine and sailed for crete old aegis ere the parting yet was done gave such injunction to his gallant son my child beloved my only child more dear than length of life through many a rolling ear restore thy sire's declining years to bless whom now i send to face green danger's stress since fortune and for fame thy generous glow now snatch thee from me loath to let thee go for not yet have these eyes enjoyed their fill of gazing on thee it is heaven's will but with no joyful heart i bid thee go nor shalt thou signals of good fortune show but first will i pour forth my wails and tears with scattered dust defile my aged ears then will i hang sails of a dusky hue upon thy mast that all our grief may view iberian sail stained with a rust like thy sign of my woe my burning agony but if the goddess of Itani's shrine who erst our race and athens walls divine swore to defend shall grant this grace to thee to slay the monster and the land set free then keep this bidding in a constant heart nor from thy memory let my words depart when first the athenian hills shall meet thy view put off the yards the sails of dusky hue and let the cordage hoist fair canvas white that when the wished-for ship shall meet my sight then i may know while joy shall fill my mind of thy return a prosperous aids to find this bidding theseus with obedience to had minded but as clouds through the deep blue driven by winds leave the hilltops behind 
so passed his sire's behest from Theseus' mind. Meanwhile, old Aegis, bowed with anxious fears, wasting his eyes with never-ceasing tears, from the high battlements of palace fame, scanning with longing eyes the watery plain, soon as he saw the dark sail on the sea, threw himself headlong, thinking sure that he, his son, had fallen low by cruel fate. So Theseus entered the ancestral gate of his proud palace, with a mourning train, and thus returned upon his head again the woe he wrought on Nexus' rocky shore when him the ship from Minas' daughter bore. She then, meanwhile, the fast receding bark, watching remains, a prey to anguish dark. The other side, fair Bacchus meets our view, and with him come a quaint satiric crew, and nice-a-born Silenai with him rove, the Ariadne, seeking, fired with love. Evo, lo, they shout with frenzied strain, while dancing till the rocks resound again. Some thirsties, ivy-pointed, loudly shake, and some the limbs of oxen rend and tear. Some twist about their heads the writhing snake, while others dark mysterious emblems bear in hollow chests. The vulgar crowd in vain aspire the knowledge of these rites to gain. Some dash the timbrel with extended hand, or on the rounded brass soft sounds command. The pipes shrill squeak, anon the trumpets blare, and fill with horrid din the noisy air. Figures like these upon the polished bed the coverlet with richest hues displayed. And when the guests had gazed their fill, their place was tamed by noble forms of godlike race. As when with gentle breath the zephyr stirs the tranquil sea, when Eos first appears, hard by the threshold of the journeying sun, the plashing waves before the breezes run with rippling laughter, soon the fresh wind smite drives the crisp rose more frequent to the sight which floating far gleam back the purple light, so they departing gleam, each on his road, and leave the threshold of the king's abode. To them succeeds foremost amid the throng old Chiron, bearing sylvan gifts along. Come from high Pelion's crest, his basket fills all the rich produce of Thessalian hills, flowers too he bears, to them succeeds foremost amid the throng old Chiron, bearing sylvan gifts along. Come from high Pelion's crest, his basket fills all the rich produce of the Salian hills. Flowers, too, he bears, such as near running rills grow nurtured by the warm Favonian air, and mingled chaplets wrought with tender care. The smiling mansion filled with fragrance sweet with pleasant laughter seems his gifts to greet. Next come Peneus from green Tempest glade, which hanging woods surround with darkling shade. Tempe he leaves, and nestles waters, where to Dorian strains dance bands of maidens fair. Nor comes he empty-handed. The tall bay and stately beach, with roots all torn away, the waving cypress and the nodding plain, and Phaeton's sister, 
so the poet's fame, the slight and limber poplar, bearing these he comes, and plants the house around with trees, so that the porch, bedecked with wavy green, should glimmer through a pleasant leafy screen. Next, sage Prometheus comes of ancient race, the marks of his dread doom the eye can trace, who erst of heaven's fierce wrath endure the shock, hanging with chained limbs from rugged rock. Then comes from heaven the sire of gods and men, with him his spouse divine. Thee, Phoebus, then, alone he leaves in heaven's wide spacious plain. With thee thine only sister too remains, whose favorite shrine on Idra's summit stands. She too, with thee, despised the nuptial bands, which joined fair Thetis and brave Peleus' hands. Now, when the gods their snowy limbs reclined, the board was filled with cheer of various kind. Meanwhile, the parkai, trembling, bent with ears, chanting begin to utter fate aloud. Rose-colored fillets bind their snowy hairs, white robes with purple hem their figures shroud. Working forever at the web of doom, the egg-unceasing labor of the loom. Their left hands hold the distaff, while the wool runs swift and smooth around the whirling spool, formed with upturned fingers, while their thumbs bent downwards twist the fiber as it comes. The ants to equal, with their teeth they bite, with woolly threads their withered lips are white. Before their feet baskets of osier stand, to hold the fleeces, and the mystic band, drawing the thread, sing with clear-sounding cry, the song of fate, the chaunt of doom on high, which no succeeding age should falsify. Hear thou, great Lord, whose deeds of valor claim a newer glory for thy princely name. Most glorious in thy son that is to be, hear what the sisters now reveal to thee. A truthful oracle on this glad day, hear thou of Thessaly the prop and stay. And ye by whom the doom of men is sped, run, spindles, run, draw out the fateful thread. Lo, Hesperus draws nigh, the joys of love, which every eager bridegroom pants to prove. Attend him, for behold thy matchless bride, comes with the lucky star to seek thy side. With thee prepares to join in languorous rest, soothing with joy thy love-tormented breast, placing her tender arms beneath thy head. Run, spindles, run, draw out the fateful thread. Ne'er were such lovers joined beneath one roof, ne'er was love seen of such a mighty proof, ne'er did the mutual flame such influence shed, as when brave Peleus did with Thetis wed. Run, spindles, run, draw out the fateful thread. To you the great Achilles shall be born, whose grand heroic soul all fear shall scorn, who on the ranging course full oft shall gain the crown of victory, and along the plain, then the light-bounding stag more swift shall be, whose flying back no foeman e'er shall see, whose fiery front shall fill men's minds with dread, run, spindles, run, draw out the fateful thread. With him no hero ever shall compare, When Phrygia's plains with Trojan gore run red, When Pelops' grandson after lingering war 
shall o'er tri-citadel destruction spread run spindles run draw out the fateful thread mothers who mourn their sons his deeds shall own the matchless valour given to him alone beating the withered breast while tears they shed casting foul ashes on the whitened head run spindles run draw out the fateful thread as neath a burning sun the reaper mows the whitening crops full set in standing rows thus shall he pile the plain with trojan dead run spindles run draw out the fateful thread scamander's waves his courage fierce shall show whose stream joins hellespont's swift whirling flow his water choked with heap of trojan slain shall warm with gore run to the ensanguined main such slaughter shall the mighty warrior spread run spindles run draw out the fateful thread last witness to his worth that virgin fair whose snowy limbs the tomb heaped high in air shall on its lofty round its summit bear shall fall a sacrifice by fate most dread run spindles run draw out the fateful thread for when the wearied greeks by fortune's aid shall seize the citadel which neptune made then shall the tomb be reddened with the gore of her whom hecuba to priam bore headless she falls meekly she yields her life like helpless victim neath the two-wedged knife to appease the hero's ghost her blood is shed run spindles run draw out the fateful thread come join the loves for which ye long have sighed let mortal lover take immortal bride the goddess share the eager husband's bed run spindles run draw out the fateful thread soon shall the nurse essay in vain to bind the string which erst the maid's fair neck confined the fruit of joys which hymen's might hath sped run spindles run draw out the fateful thread nor shall the mother fear less mutual hate divide the matron from her loving mate nor shall she failure of fair offspring dread run spindles run draw out the fateful thread thus the weird sisters pelia's happy fate with omen good in song did celebrate for in those days when men the gods on high still feared and worshipped with due piety the gods the homes of men would not despise and oft were seen on earth by mortal eyes full oft revisiting from realms above his glittering temples would the mighty jove see when the sacred festival came round a hundred bulls fall low upon the ground full oft would bacchus from parnassus crest descend and drive before a noisy rout of dancing thyads with god-maddened breast and harem bound yelling with frenzied shout them would all delphi eager rush to meet and the loved god with smoking altars greet oft mid death-bearing strife would mars appear or she whose fame is built on trita's mere or the remnusian maid in armed bands would urge to combat with divine commands but when the earth with direful guilt was stained when in men's minds no justice yet remained when blood in fratricidal strife was shed when sons forgot to mourn their parents dead when for his child's swift fate the father sighed that he might win his firstborn's promised bride when the incestuous mother sought to gain her son's embrace unconscious of the stain and feared not to defile the household fame 
all right and wrong in dire confusion blent, with guilt's fell madness in men's bosoms sent, turned the just minds of righteous gods away, and thus it is that in the light of day no mortal eyes a god can ever greet, no thrones of men are graced by godlike feet. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.